welcome into a special edition of the DNVR Movie Week podcasting extravaganza that we've been doing all week. I'm Drew Creaseman. Joining me is AJ Hayfley, and we have a tall task in front of us today as we will attempt to sort through the greatest speeches in sports movie history. We have a long list, and there's probably still quite a few that we've left out, but we're going to do our best to probably not get a consensus top five, but sort of give you our own individual top fives. There will be some crossover, uh, but there are so many great ones. We wanted to make sure that uh, nothing, well, not nothing got left out, but that at least some of our personal favorites that maybe aren't the best ever didn't get left out. And our loose attempt at structure here is going to be to begin with some of the more lighthearted ones and get a bit more serious as we go through. Uh, But AJ, I wanted to begin us in that, I guess, thought of beginning with the the fun ones with Mm -hmm. one that, and also with one that I'm not sure quite qualifies as a speech because it's so short, but coming from Major League, one of my favorites, because it's been quoted by any baseball fan ever, is of course, the winning streak. All right, you guys, let's listen up. We won a game yesterday, and if we win one today, that's two in a row. We win one tomorrow, that's called a winning streak. It has happened before. So let's see some hustle. Let's jack it up a little. I got a feeling things are about to turn around for us. (laughs) Yeah, it's, uh, it's one that I think of. Um, every time any team I follow gets wins that third game, right? <laughs> it's like it has happened before. Yeah, that's uh, called a winning streak. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just uh, it's very memorable. It's it's kind of low impact, which is why I would say it's probably in this area of the show. Right, but memorable. Everybody that's seen the movie remembers that scene. Also applicable to any sport. And it, <laughs> which is nice, just like uh, it's certainly a little bit more of a baseball thing because there's so many games. But when you're looking for that thing to hang on to, you, you can always play that speech. Another one that I'm not sure quite qualifies as a speech. In fact, the character says at the beginning, I'm not good at giving speeches, but uh, a personal favorite, I think, of both of ours from a movie that just missed out on being in the bracket. And some people were unhappy about that, but. From the replacements, Shane Falco's glory lasts forever. I know you're tired. I know you're hurting. And I wish I could say something that was classy and inspirational. But that just wouldn't be our style. Pain heals. Chicks dig scars. Glory lasts forever. Right on, Shane. Right on, Right on. Shotgun. DC right. Flip 90 dig. A great scene because they had finally come together. They had finally figured out Shane Falco had finally kicked open the door of self-confidence that had always kind of trapped him, right? And they are in the dying moments of this great comeback against an actual team, a team using real players and not replacement players. And... It's just, they get in the huddle together and he's like, all right, let's do this. Like, 
this is what's up. And it, it just rallies the team behind him once again. Those guys had always had his back. He didn't have his own. And that was the first time we saw them, all of those elements come together. Yeah. And again, it's t- totally quotable outside of context. And the the line particularly, chicks dig scars. This idea that like something bad might happen to you, but eventually it's going to be pretty cool. Applicable for a lot of different things in, in sports. Yeah. And basically anybody who ever played sports uh, walked away with a scar of some kind. Exactly. I mean, I have sports scars. <laughs> right, right, right. Oh, yeah. I've still got you know, a bad back and a bad neck from years of football and track that are now more than a decade behind me, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's crazy, man. Like that stuff. It's, it's, it's true though. Cause it's like, you look, you look at in the, the right spot on arms and my hands and stuff. And there are, there are hockey scars. I will say chicks don't dig the bad back as much as Shane Falco led me to believe, you know, <laughs> Probably was a little misleading. <laughs> a little bit misleading. But inspirational in the moment. I'd have gone to battle with that guy. Um, no, that's what I'm saying. The yeah. only the only one that was not sure he would go to battle with him was himself. Everybody right. else was, was down to do it. But he just did not believe in himself it, until it was that moment. And it was just so cool. This is already going to be a long pod, but are you a replacements guy? Do you think that maybe we should have tried to make room for it in the bracket? Oh, I it's one of my personal favorite uh, football oh, movies, okay. but I like I had like I had said is I think it was on its way to a first round loss. I think so. so yeah, it was. I in fact, the, the movie it was battling with that ended up in that 16 seed. It was like, who's going to lose to remember the Titans in the first round was basically our decision there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and we ended up going with Waterboy, which I'm so glad now seeing what's happened with Happy Gilmore that we put Waterboy against Friday Night Lights because it might have made the final four if we had or um, remember the Titans. I think it was. Yeah. But goodness. And while you wouldn't necessarily think of it as a movie with great speeches, there aren't any there. There's a moment that I think qualifies as a speech that I absolutely love from Henry Winkler in that movie where he talks about pretending to fake. This is it. Okay. This is the play. This is the play. This is the play. Okay. The quarterback. Two receivers lined up to the left, one to the right. There's a flanker lined up to the left behind the quarterback. Oh, yeah. Okay. He gives the ball. No, he doesn't. He doesn't get the ball. The receiver goes all the way over there to the left. Once the quarterback has the ball, he fakes to the left. No. He fakes to the right. He doesn't fake. He, he thinks about faking. He pretends to fake. I don't know where I am. I can't breathe. Oh, this room is getting smaller. I have to sit down. Hang on here. Hey, come on. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Henry Winkler is an all-time great Fonds. comedic actor. The Fonz. Like, literally an all-time great comedic actor. Yeah. Um, I also think that that scene really encapsulates whether it's sports fans or GMs or managers. We've all been in that moment where we're just way overthinking ourselves, mm-hmm. where we're making what is a children's game so complicated that we start to lose our faculties. Like, what does it mean to pretend to fake? 
Yeah. So another one that uh, I think fits into this category, and strangely enough, I don't know that there there's no like great inspirational speech from Moneyball, which is a little bit more of a serious movie than the ones we've been talking about so far. Yeah. There's a lot of comedy in it as well. But Aaron Sorkin, who's a great writer of speeches, resisted the temptation to ever have Billy Bean, or I suppose for that matter, Phil Hoffman, um, as the manager, walk in and, and give the guys a rallying speech. Of course, the closest he ever does to that is the is losing fun moment. Yeah, it's it's you're right in that. Like he's like the ultimate like monologue writer. And he just there isn't one in that movie, but there's like a small collection of them. You know, the 50 feet of crap conversation that he has, you know, there's. You know, there's there's all the MLB teams, and there's 50 feet of crap, and then there's us. We're the last dog at the bull. Damn, Billy, was that a suggestion? Guys, you're just talking. Talking la 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 like this is business as usual. It's not. We're trying to solve the problem here, Billy. Not like this. You're not, you're not even looking at the problem. Well, we're very aware of the problem. I mean... Okay, good. What's the problem? We need... 38 home runs, 120 RBIs, and 47 doubles to replace. The problem we're trying to solve is that there are rich teams and there are poor teams. Then there's 50 feet of crap, and then there's us. It's an unfair game. And now we've been gutted with organ donors for the rich. Boston's taking our kidneys, Yankees taking our heart, and you guys are sitting around talking the same old good body nonsense like we're selling jeans. Like we're looking for Fabio. We got to think differently. We are the last dog at the bowl. You see what happens to the runt of the litter? He dies. Billy, that's a very touching story and everything, but I think we're all very much aware of what we're facing here. Is there another first baseman like Giambi? No, not really. No. And if there was, could we afford him? No. Nope. Then what the f are you talking about, man? If we try to play like the Yankees in here, we will lose to the Yankees out there. Boy, that sounds like fortune cookie wisdom to me, Billy. No, that's just logic. Who's Fabio? This is a shortstop. This is a shortstop from Seattle. Yeah, this is the and then the is losing fun scene where he, you know, turns off the music and tells Jeremy Giambi to get down and <laughs> yeah. And what are you and fun for? It gets it gets dead quiet and he says, That's what losing sounds like. Like it's just a small collection of them. And then I quote this in my articles all the time, actually, that when I write about the abs, but when he looks at Jonah Hill at the end of the movie when they're talking about the prospect that they had just drafted, uh the one who hits the home run and, and doesn't realize it. Oh yeah. And he and he says, How can you not be romantic about baseball? Right. That that line just trucks over me every time. Because as well it should. This is a dude that has just suffered devastating postseason losses in back to back years and is has openly acknowledged it's an unfair game that they're playing and that they're trying to go against a rigged system and he can't get over the hump. And this is what he's taking away. He's watching some kid in single-A baseball hit a home run. And he's thinking, how can you not be romantic about baseball? 
It's yeah. just such a great insight into how sports minds work and like our general obsession with the sports that we cover and live and, and breathe, work in, whatever. And it's it's just it's a great line. And that movie has just such a small collection of of great individual scenes. Agreed. I, I think the only one that I want, and there are many more. There's one other that you didn't touch on that I wanted to mention. That's when he goes and meets with the owner of the Red Sox. And they give it, it. It's funny. You and I have now talked about these sit down scenes. There's the one in Goon where yeah. the old guy and the young guy have to have that conversation. There was the one in Mighty Ducks where Charlie and Coach Bombay have to have the conversation about a quarter of an inch. Um, where they kind of give the thesis of the film. And I think there's one where he goes to meet with the Red Sox owner and, you know, he talks about, I just got my ass kicked and I don't know what to do. And he gives him the, the first guy through the wall always gets bloody speech. Yeah. And I love that one too. Like the, the idea that, no, you have changed the game. And he tells him like anybody who isn't, <laughs> and there's a, there's a comment to be made on the local baseball team here. Anyone who isn't and this was in what, 2004, Mm-hmm. tearing down their operations and rebuilding it with your model is a dinosaur. Yeah. And that is proven to be pretty close to accurate. Yeah. It's, he was right. I mean, flat out, he was right. Before we move into the really serious ones, there are a couple that I, I think are, I don't know, pretty solid, but from the more lighthearted movies, there's, and again, is this really a long speech? It's, it's a little bit of a comment from, Sandlot, uh, the the sort of turning moment when he's visited by, uh, why he Benny the Jet, of course, um, is visited by Babe Ruth, and he gives him the Legends Never Die speech, convincing him to finally jump the fence and go get the baseball. I can't. Can't what? I can't go into that backyard. Why not? There's a beast back there. What kind? A giant gorilla dog thing that ate one kid already. Is that a fact? Sit down, kid. Sit down. Let me tell you something, kid. Everybody gets one chance to do something great. Most people never take the chance, either because they're too scared or they don't recognize it when it spits on their shoes. This is your big chance, and you shouldn't let it go by. I mean, you remember when you busted the guts out of the ball the other day? Someone's telling you something, kid. And if I was you, I'd listen. Yeah. But what? (laughs) You're the one with the rubber legs. Figure it out. Henry Aaron. I don't know why, but can I have this kid? Sure, yeah. Wait, you're saying I should hop over that fence and pickle the beast? Think about that, kid. I'll see you later. Remember, kid, there's heroes and there's legends. Heroes get remembered, but legends never die. Follow your heart, kid. You never go wrong. Yeah, that... Um, I don't remember the actor's name, but like recognizing him mm-hmm. just made it such a weird speech. 
to me. Like it, it just took me out of it because I was like, I know that dude. Yeah, I think it would probably be a little more effective if it wasn't like a character actor who's been in a bunch of things. And I think mostly comedies, too. So it's supposed to be this pretty serious moment. Um, yeah. And I know in general, you're not the biggest Sandlot guy, but I do think similar to the Shane Falco speech, the idea of like, live for it, man. Yeah. Like, and, I think it's a great moment. It just yeah. it just kind of took me out of it just because of the actor that they used. Totally, totally makes sense. Um, th- there were two, and you and I discussed this recently, from Cool Runnings, which has turned into a powerhouse in the bracket, made it to the Elite Eight. And I think largely because so many of us saw it as kids and remember these scenes, mm-hmm. um, I was always really pumped up and inspired by uh, the Pride Badass Mudda speech. Right. Where he's looking, they're looking in the mirror. Yeah. Yeah. Now look in the mirror and tell me what you see. You see Junior. You see Junior. Well, you want to know what I see? I see pride. I see power. I see a badass mother who don't take no crap of nobody. You really see all that? Yeah, man. But it's not about what I see. It's about what you see. Now look in this mirror and tell me again what you see. Well, I see... Pride! Pride! Right. Power! Power! And I see... A badass mother who who won't take take no crap off of nobody! Again! I see pride! Can I hear you? I see power! I see a badass mother who won't take no crap off of nobody. Once again! I see pride! Junior! I see power! I see a badass mother who won't take no crap off of nobody! That's right! That's right! Junior Beville! He's trying to get trying to get pumped up and trying to get himself to I mean just have some self-respect because he had spent his entire life letting his dad decide his life for him and right. getting trucked over. And Yul Brenner walks in and is like, we're done with this. Right. And I love that it comes from the guy he's been most in conflict with throughout the film. And I'm yep. also a sucker for a good repeatable mantra. <laughs> <laughs> so so you can wake you... up every day and say to yourself, you could look in the mirror. You have pride. You have power. You are a badass mother. <laughs> the whole thing. That's right. But I think you were right to also single out uh, the speech that's given by Sanka, the sort of comedic, you know, one of the things I do love about that movie and particularly about that character is usually the best friend who's there for comedy is just a total dolt. And while Sanka's always being ridiculous, you kind of like, you should want to live like this guy. Like he finds the positivity everywhere and he seems mm-hmm. to understand himself better than any of the rest of the group. So when he finally gives them the speech about let us be Jamaican, it's really powerful. It is. It's because they're 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 frustrated and they're they're upset and then you know their team lead starts talking about the Swiss again and they they get all on him. They're like, Oh, you just shut up about the damn Swiss. Yeah. And it's like, look, I didn't and, and Senka tells him, I didn't come up here to forget who I am or where I'm from. You know, I'm gonna I'm trying to be the best version that I know how to be, but that is Jamaican. And that was really where they had kind of lost themselves as he got obsessed with the, the the Swiss team and how they were doing and how they went about everything. And then 
you know, once once Senka kind of knocked some sense into him and said, "Hey, we're we're Jamaican, man. Like right. we we need to we need to be Jamaican." Then uh, they they found themselves and they were they were able to go on to the rest of the you know to be successful in the rest of the movie. You know, when the Swiss want to get oh, oh, when you Swiss. shut up about the damn Swiss. I mean, it was all that Ein's vine dry nonsense that got us all nervous in the first place. Hey man, look here. I'm just trying to get us off on the right foot. Well, the right foot for us is not the Swiss foot. I mean, come on, Darius. We can't be copying nobody else's style. We have our own style. Kissing an egg is no kind of style. It's the Olympics here. This is no stupid pushcart derby. Let me tell you something, Rasta. I didn't come up here to forget who I am and where I come from. And neither did I. I'm just trying to be the best I can be. So am I. And the best I can be is Jamaican. Therese, I've known you since Julie Jeffries asked to see you dingling. And I'm telling you as a friend, if we look Jamaican, walk Jamaican, talk Jamaican, and is Jamaican, then we sure as hell better bobsled Jamaican. And it's great because you don't have to be Jamaican to get that. I think it's a very clear, universal message that resonates with everyone. Be who you are. Represent you. And... I think we all do this in sports more than we realize sometimes. Certainly there's a lot of, you know, oh, why can't we be like the Dodgers? Why can't we be like the Yankees? Why, you know, and and you want to compete with those people for sure. Like, just like this team wanted to compete against the Swiss, but this idea that you emulate them rather than finding your own ways to win sort of goes back to the themes of Moneyball. Yeah, being who you are, finding finding your own path, cutting your own own path and it was, it's good, man. I mean, it's, yeah. you go back and you watch it and it's like Jamaican bobsled movie and these dudes are, you know, I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. It, it really is. It And it does hold up. Um, I'm not surprised. Uh, of all the things, the lower seeds in the bracket that have done well, it's the one I'm least surprised by. I think the, the last one I want to do in the sort of lighter category, what I might argue is the best of these the, that are just kind of, sappy inspirational speeches are, are a little bit more off the wall is from d2 the mighty ducks there's there are a couple of solid speeches we talked about that in our duo pod on mighty ducks and goon mm-hmm. but for my money and the writing in the mighty ducks both of those movies i think we both agreed was kind of the strength is the ducks fly together from the final game in d2 yeah um it's not again like not my favorite yeah it's good. Like it's it's a good moment where they all come together and they realize like okay, this is our identity and this is who we've figured out. And it's funny because this is a very common theme throughout all sports movies is you can accomplish something great once you understand, once once you have the sort of the confluence of events that leads you to combining talent and identity and you know, all the all those things that go into becoming a champion in your own mind, at least. Yeah, I think there's a fun parallel here, too, that I didn't uh, learn about until more recently watching them close together. But with Miracle, because in this Ducks Fly Together speech, uh, one part of it is where they just all go around the room and say who they are and, and where they're from. Yeah. 
We're not goons. We're not bullies. No matter what people say or do, we have to be ourselves. You. Who are you? Dean Portman. From where? Chicago, Illinois. You. Guy Germain. From where? Of St. Paul, Minnesota. You. Jesse Hall from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Who are you? Julie Gaffney from Bangor, Maine. Luis Mendoza, Miami, Florida. Greg Goldberg, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Les Averman, Brooklyn Park, Minnesota. Fulton Reed, Stillwater, Minnesota. Russ Tyler, South Central Los Angeles. Charlie Conway, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Ken Rue, San Francisco, California. Connie Moreau, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Adam Banks, Dyna, Minnesota. Dwayne Robinson, Austin, Texas. Michelle McKay, Duluth, Minnesota. And I'm Gordon Bombay, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Yeah! We're Team USA, gathered from all across America. And we're gonna stick together. You know why? Because we are ducks, and ducks fly together. That's right, Jan. And there's a similar thing in Miracle, uh, where they've got to figure out who they are, where they're from, and he keeps asking them until somebody finally gets the answer right. What team do you play for? Play for Team USA. And, and so they have kind of a similar uh, thing here where the, these kids have come from all over, but now they, even in the championship game, are finally becoming a team. Um, and I think it actually resonates a little bit better for me than stuff in the first movie because the first movie is a little bit more cliched of the underdog story, but these guys are not underdogs. One of the things I really like about D2 is they are destroying people. Uh, they're way overconfident and that brings a whole different group of problems. Yeah. And so I think that this speech solving those problems is, yeah, it's a bit simple, but it's also pretty great. <laughs> and just when you think they're about to break apart, ducks, ducks fly, fly together. together. And when the wind blows hard and the sky is black, ducks fly together. And when the roosters are crowing and the cows are spinning circles in the pasture. <laughs> okay. Uh, ducks fly together. And when everyone says it can't be done, ducks fly together. Now, new ducks and old ducks must unite under a new banner. And I thought perhaps something like this. I definitely like the, the I like D2 and I like the moments in D2 a lot more than the original. Also, because I forgot to mention it, those movies have a phenomenal score. The main theme for the Mighty Ducks could be the main theme in any sports movie. It's fantastic. I love it. <laughs> the score is a big part of sports movies too. You've got to have the yeah. right. You've got to have the right soundtrack, the right score to hit the the, the right notes and the crescendo and the right you know the right moment. Whenever you'll hear it in all of these speeches too. Um, especially the ones we're about to get into, the more inspirational ones. They usually start with no music in the background, and at just the right point, it starts to creep in and swell, especially for one of my favorites that we're going to get to in a minute. But I wanted to start our, our more serious ones off with something that's going to go against the grain. Again, most of these are going to be inspirational. Do your best. Go out there and win. You are somebody. But I really love... Michael Sheen's speech from the beginning of The Damned United, Cool Running's first victim in the bracket. No one's seen it, unfortunately, or very few people have seen it, and so it never stood a chance. But Michael Sheen, when he arrives at his new team and tells them that everything they've done are ill-gotten gains, boy, he brings the fire. Yeah, I mean, he just... <laughs> 
<laughs> he says, it's like the first thing he says, take all, take all your, your caps and all your championships and everything, your medals, whatever, throw them in the trash. Throw them away. <laughs> like, damn. What an opener. And it's like, oh, this guy means business. And then he singles out the captain and he says, you're going to, you're going to be in shape. You're going to be committed and you're going to play, you're going to play my brand of football. Yep. And that's it. Like he just cuts straight through the nonsense and he's like, this is going to be, this is how it's going to be. Sorry. Well, I might as well tell you now. You lot may all be internationals and have won all the domestic honors there are to win under Don Revy. But as far as I'm concerned, the first thing you can do for me is to chuck all your medals and all your caps and all your pots and all your pans into the biggest flipping dustbin you can find. Because you've never won any of them fairly. You've done it all by blooming cheating. Mr. William Bremner, you're the captain and a good one. But you're no good to the team and you're no good to me if you're suspended. I want you fit for every game. And I want good, clean, attractive football from my captain, starting next week at the Charity Shield. And you, Irishman, God gave you skill, intelligence, and the best passing ability in the game. What God did not give you was six studs to wrap around another player's knee. Now, things are going to be a little different around here without Don. Might feel a little strange at first, might pinch a little, like a new pair of shoes. But, if you want your grandchildren to remember you as being something other than the dirty beggars you once were, if you want to be loved as real champions, worthy champions, you're going to have to work and improve and change. Now, let's start off by playing some seven asides. Plus, that voice is just the greatest sound or the worst, depending on if it's yelling at you or just around you. <laughs> it's just. Yeah. And, and actually, I really do love that whole movie. There are a few other pretty great speeches. Michael Sheen is just a powerhouse in that flick. But I love the way that that is structured as almost the anti sports movie speech. <laughs> Yeah, it's not about coming together. It's about breaking them down and building them up his way. Yeah. So another one that is really popular, and I think is also a little bit more in the breaking down and building up way, a movie that appears to have lost almost all of its shine over the years. I, I hear more talk now about how Rudy is overrated or not good even. Uh, it might be overrated, but I can't, yeah, I can't get on board at not being good. And there are a couple of great speeches. There's one near the end. There's there's the locker room scene, depending on how you count that as a speech or not. But uh, I think the big and most memorable one, and I do love it, is when uh, the guy on the maintenance staff just tears into him and tells him that you don't have to prove anything to anyone but yourself. I don't know. I just don't see the point anymore. So you didn't make the dress list. There are greater tragedies in the world. I wanted to run out of that tunnel. For my dad to prove to everyone prove that I worked. What? That I was somebody. Oh, you are so full of crap. In this lifetime, you don't have to prove nothing to nobody except yourself. And after what you've gone through, if you haven't done that by now, it ain't gonna never happen. 
That's right. You don't have to prove anything in this life to anybody but yourself. You know, you hung in there with the best college team in the land. You're five feet You're Five foot nothing. A hundred nothing. Not a speck of athletic ability. And you hung in with the best college football team in the land for two years. I'm sorry I never got you to see your first game in here. Hell, I've seen too many games in this stadium. I thought you said you never saw a game. I've never seen a game from the stands. You were a player? I rode the bench for two years. Thought I wasn't being played because of my color. I got filled up with a lot of attitude. So I quit. Still not a week goes by, I don't regret it. And I guarantee a week won't go by in your life. You won't regret walking out, letting them get the best of you. You hear me clear enough. It was it was awesome. Like it it's a great moment and like I understand why if you watch Rudy today, it's not going to hold up because it does not follow your classic feel-good sports movie formula. Uh, It's a a lot slower. It's a little long. But when it works, it works incredibly well. And I get frustrated with the, Rudy's a bad movie. I'm like, ah, come on now. And then they go on and they they think Mighty Ducks is you know, incredible cinema. And it's like, okay. <laughs> it's um, but slow. Like, and that's it is. too bad that people can't just it's slow, slow down a little bit. Yeah, And like, I, really under- I understand, like I struggle with slow movies myself. Like there are some slow movies that I absolutely love. There are some slow movies that no, you know, I'm, it's, it's a problem for me. So I can, I can understand where that, that, that perception is coming from where it's like, uh, it's slow. It's a little tougher to get through, but it's great, and it's got a lot of great character moments like this one, like littered throughout it, where this kid is is coming into his own as a as a person, and he's the the, the difference is like between like Shane Falco and Rudy is Rudy has always known who he was, and he right. has gone a hundred and fifteen percent every single day to to prove. And to get what he's wanted out of out of life, he knew what he wanted, and that was it. That was all he was after. He's all heart, all effort. He's your classic glue guy on every single team. You know, it's yeah. And and whereas like Shane Falco just didn't know who he was, he wasn't comfortable in his own skin. Rudy doesn't have that problem. He knows. And when he gets promised the dress list and doesn't make it, he for the first time in his life feels sorry for himself. And he gets down on himself, and the janitor knocks all that sense back into him. Yeah, it's you know? a great scene. It's a, it's a really good movie. It is, <laughs> and it's a great scene because he he pulls from his own experience, you know. And he yeah. says, "Look, I rode the bench for two years, and I quit because I got I got all I got filled up with all kinds of attitude." Right. So, you know, and that's, yeah, it yeah. It's it's a great moment because it just it realigns the central character with who he is, and he needed that character. He needed that. And you think about all the people in the world who have not done that, right? Have not have not had that person in there when they wanted to give up on themselves. They haven't had 
the wise old maintenance guy to right. come in and 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 have the perfect have the perfect life experience for that exact moment to <laughs> right knock that sense back into him you know it's it's a well, great moment through line too of he's been trying like he right he didn't know he was the player and so he thought he was yeah. this this poor maintenance guy so he wanted to get him out to see a game yeah and then that whole thing gets flipped on its head and it's like man i've seen games <laughs> like ooh, it's you're right and so it's a little bit convenient but it's also perfect and that's yeah. why I, I love that movie and the scene at the end, which we're not going to play, but another good speech. And they do the thing with the jerseys. Ah. Rudy's good, everybody. Okay. We're going to move on to one that's, I feel like this movie is generally underrated. And I feel like if we'd left gridiron gang totally off the bracket in favor of something like the replacements, people would have probably preferred it. Uh, no one would have made, nobody would have been saying like, where's gridiron gang the way they were about, you know, the natural or the replacements or some of these other ones, varsity blues for some reason. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, but- I don't want y'all life. <laughs> so it's- bad, dude. Uh, can't imagine why we didn't get any speeches or, or lines of dialogue from that movie. Jeez, such a bad movie. It's not good. Um, but I submit that Gridiron Gang is a good movie actually all the way around. It's got some heaviness to it for sure. And, you know, it's the real story of these kids who were sent to jail and in some real serious trouble. And and the rock in this case plays uh, a real life coach who formed a football team and through the discipline of football, probably saved a lot of these guys lives and much of the movie is the rock giving inspirational speeches yeah um there are two main ones you can pick from uh, i feel like the uh one where he just explains what the mustang way is and he mm-hmm. explains that you know your way got you here now you're gonna follow my way yeah all right everybody listen up whatever neighborhood you came from Whatever gang you claim, whatever hood you're from, this is your hood now. You're no longer a blood, no longer a crip, no longer an essay. You're Mustang. This football program will be three-pronged. Number one, the dorm. You're going to have to learn to get along with people from other neighborhoods, different backgrounds. Number two, school. You're going to have to apply yourself, become a better student. And number three, the gridiron. Hey coach, what's the gridiron? You're standing on the gridiron. The gridiron is a football field. On the gridiron, we play football. On the gridiron, we do it my way. Not your way, my way. Your way got you here. And you're here because you're lost. Right now, you're losers. Mustangs are winners. And if you accept this challenge, when it's all over, come December, we're going to be winners. And then the one that I, I like a little bit more is, you know, prove to them that just because you're locked up, you know, you're somebody, you yep. still count. And one, I think that's a real message that a lot of people 
still need to hear. And two, I think that these speeches are made especially more potent by the fact that they're almost verbatim because this coach, a lot of this stuff was filmed. And if you watch the special features for Gridiron Gang, you'll see like these were real inspirational speeches given to real kids in a real jail for sometimes even for killing people who were able to clean up their entire lives. So it's very difficult to argue like, oh, these aren't truly inspirational. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I actually went and watched this again last night uh, after the Avs got done dominating Ottawa. And um, I, I, there was a third scene that really jumped out to me. Mm. And it was the scene where he had been riding Willie all movie. And he finally gets himself into all dolled up, right? He, he throws himself in the football here, the Rock does. And he goes one on one against Willie. And he keeps saying, You're, You gotta get past this line. It's it's just you. It's just it's you against me. And you know, Willie he fails a couple of times and and Dwayne Johnson's yelling at him. You know, and he's he's saying, we'll be out here all damn day if we have to. Do it again. We're going to stay out here all day if it kills us, Weathers. You are going to put me on my ass. Now keep your head up. Accelerate. Put your shoulder down and run through me. And Willie's kind of looking around, and he shouts at him, and he says, he says, don't, what are you, what are you looking for? There, there's nobody here to help you. You've got, you've got no homeboys. You've got no gun. You've got nowhere to run. It's just you. It's you all on your own, having to rely just on you. Now knock me on my ass. And of course, like that amps him up and then he trucks over him. Right. But it's that that scene also, like like you said, it's that movie is full of the rock giving inspirational uh inspirational speeches. So there's a reason that dude introduces the Super Bowl and gets paid twenty million dollars a movie. And as somebody who watched him grow from the very beginning, I was a wrestling fan when he made his whole thing. I I actually read The Rock's biography in high school, believe it or not, well before anybody who wasn't a wrestling fan knew who he was. He's been the best at giving these kinds of speeches for a very long time. So I, I could watch him do just about anything. Uh, he's a great monologue giver. Yeah. Now all we need to do is have Aaron Sorkin write one for him. How amazing would that be? <laughs> we could have the greatest movie scene of all time. <laughs> oh, Probably man. in a fast and the furious movie with the way this is going lately. <laughs> well, they're not going to stop making them. They better uh, not. I, I was telling somebody, I better be 55 years old going to opening day of, <laughs> Fast and the Furious 27. That will probably happen. Well, uh, I don't want to jump up to that one yet. I was going to say since we're talking about wrestling, but no, no, no. Let's give no, that that's a, a big jump. That's a big jump. Let's stick to here's one from uh, actually, I, I just want to play a little bit of it and I, I don't have too many thoughts. It's just every time I hear this particular line, it gives me shivers, but uh, straight up, I haven't seen Invictus, but whenever it's like played in a montage and Matt Damon says, look into my eyes, listen to your country. And you mm -hmm. can hear everybody chanting. That gives me shivers. Hands up. Look in my eyes. Do you hear? Listen to your country. Seven minutes, seven minutes. Defense, defense, defense. 
This is it. This is our destiny. Come on, come on. Yeah, and it's the the Rugby World Cup. They're in the final. And, you know, this is right after, uh, this is right during the period where Nelson Mandela uh, came into power in, in South Africa. And, you know, the racial divide is enormous in that country. And this sort of brought them together, this rugby team, where they were they were the host and they, you know, not much was expected. And then they made a, a run all the way to the final and won the thing. But that's, you know, and Matt Damon plays the, the captain whose name escapes me. But, you know, the, the crowd is going crazy. And they there's a break in the action. They all huddle up and, and he just, you know, look, in, look into my eyes. Listen to your country. Like, you guys did this. And, yeah. and they, you know, we've got seven, seven minutes to go. And, you know, this is our destiny. It's just so good yeah do i need to watch that movie um i I think so yeah i think it was i think definitely think that was one of our worst omissions not in the bracket was invictus uh it's a really on account of people not seeing it but yeah including me obviously i mean like you you could have swapped it in for damned united and nobody would have noticed (laughs) right right and it would have so, had the same fate. It would have lost to Cool Runnings ninety to ten. <laughs> exactly. Like that's that's exactly it, man. So I, it's worth seeing. Um, there were some. The there there were some. Somebody came into my mentions the other day and said that there was a whole thing that they ignore in that movie and not knowing the intricate details of it. Okay. Like, but I would still see. I would see it. All right. Yeah. I mean, that's almost always going to be the case with these movies based on real life events. There's going to be, in fact, that's a great transition because we're starting to get into the tops here. We're at least into, I think, our general top 10. I I honestly might throw ducks fly together into my own personal top 10, but of the, of the real ones, let's be honest. Um, Remember the Titans speaking of a movie that leaves out some potentially pertinent real life details uh nonetheless the film version of denzel washington's coach boone gives a couple of good speeches throughout the movie as does the assistant coach at one point um of course there's the the one at the beginning which is the the big famous one when he takes them all to gettysburg and tells them to listen to the souls of the past this is where they fought the battle of gettysburg 50,000 men died right here on this field, fighting the same fight that we're still fighting amongst ourselves today. This green field right here, painted red, bubbling with the blood of young boys, smoke and hot lead right through their bodies listen to their souls man they killed my brother with malice in my heart hatred destroyed my family you listen you take a lesson from the dead if we don't come together Right now, on this hollow ground, 
we too will be destroyed. Just like they were. I don't care if you like each other or not, but you will respect each other. And maybe, I don't know, maybe we'll learn to play this game like men. That's powerful stuff. He wakes them up at 3 o'clock in the morning, doesn't tell them anything. They go running, you know, through the darkness. And as the sun is starting to come up and there's a fog all over everything. And it's just like the perfect setting. And it's like, they're fighting the same. We're here today fighting the same battle that they fought back then. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's about as powerful as it gets. You're standing on, you're at Gettysburg. You're standing on the battlefield where a civil war took place, where where people were literally fighting for freedom. Right. I just and 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 you know the 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 racial divide in that school as they became what the first integrated school in that state back then, right. and right. you know the 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 anger and the just the hatred. It's just it runs so deep and. Right. Trying to bring them together, you know, by taking them there. It's just crazy, man. I, it's yeah. it's really intense. It's really, really intense and exceptionally well executed. And you can't do much better than having Denzel Washington act literally anything. Yeah. Um, and it's one that's remembered. It's probably would be played on his reel. I mean, think about it that way. Like the Denzel all-time real that you're throwing together you know king kong ain't got bleep on me you got a whole you know long list of things i think listen to their souls makes that real yeah it brings all of it together everything that they're fighting for everything that they're struggling with in that moment i mean it really just it puts a bow on the exact problem that they're staring down it's really intense and i think it's easy to miss in that moment like it took me watching that movie a couple of times to really truly appreciate how grand a scale that was. Um on a much, much smaller scale later in the film, but more along the lines of the kind of inspirational, you know, win the game type of speech that you get. I do love the assistant coach. It's it's very short, but it's the leave no doubt, and he gets to give I'm a sucker for a good use of getting the title of the film into the film because it's so often like, for example, I like the mighty ducks a whole lot, but when they get the jersey, he goes, we're the ducks, we're the mighty ducks. It, you know, it's like, okay, you said the name of the movie a little bit forced, but when he finally says to them, make sure they remember the night they played the Titans, it's very believable. And it's a, it's not the word for word title, but the way they build up to that final, we have to stop them. Nobody crosses the line of scrimmage from here on out. Mm-hmm. Leave no doubt. I think it's uh, about as good of a five sentence inspirational speech because it's not a halftime. They don't have halftime. It's on the sideline before they're about to punt. <laughs> yeah. So I think that adds to the energy of it as well, that it's there's not time for the big inspirational speech. He's got six things he's going to say to these kids that are going to stick in their heads and he nails it. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean that's a, it's an adrenaline fueled moment, right? Like you're 
you're in there and all right, the, the, the officials are against them. And you know, you, you feel like everything is going against you and it's like, all right, let's rally around that. He galvanizes that anger and, and his team and they rally around it and produce the best that they've ever given because of it. In uh, a similarly heavy vein, this is one that I have a really hard time because it's clearly the most serious, I think, of all of them. And so it's weird to try to step back and be like, okay, from a writing and acting and directing perspective, I'm not sure it's as well executed as some of these other ones. But the We Are Marshall speech from We Are Marshall, like if you keep your eyes dry during that totally, like, whew. You'd not much is going to get to you like that is just it's powerful stuff. And again, when it's based on, you know, real tragedy um, and, and if anyone doesn't know the story, you know, of the college football team that or is it high school football. Sorry, um, it's I thought so. Uh, just, I just said it felt wrong um, that, that died in a plane crash, almost all of them. Um, and And they had to you know, come together with a new group. And this was before the McConaughey, before uh, Matthew McConaughey was being taken more seriously as an actor. And I, you know, overall, I, I don't know that the movie is as well executed as it could have been. Um, but yeah, man, I just, <laughs> it's quite the speech. For those of you who may not know, this is the final resting place for six members of the 1970 Thundering Herd. The plane crash that took their lives was so severe, so, so absolute, that their bodies were unable to be identified. So they were buried here, together. Six players, six teammates, six sons of Marshall. This is our past, gentlemen. This is where we have been. This is how we got here. This is who we are today. It is because again, they go to a graveyard. Right. You know, they go to they. You know, he talks about hey, their 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 bodies were so badly burned that they couldn't identify them, so they buried all of them here together and he said hey this is this is where their journey ended together and it's on you guys to pick it up for them and and run with it from here and a lot of these speeches start getting into that's what makes you a winner you can't lose if you believe in yourself and you know all that inspirational hodgepodge gooey stuff that we all love about sports movies when you take that field today you've got to lay that heart on the line man from the soles of your feet, with every ounce of blood you've got in your body, lay it on the line until the final whistle blows. And if you do that, if you do that, we cannot lose. We may be behind on the scoreboard at the end of the game, but if you play like that, we cannot be defeated. And we came here today to remember. Six young men and 69 others 
who will not be on the field with you today. But they will be watching. You can bet your ass that they'll be gritting their teeth with every snap of that football. You understand me? How you play today, from this moment on, is how you will be remembered. This is your opportunity to rise from these ashes and grab glory. We are. Awesome. We are. Awesome. We are. Awesome. Funerals in today. The We Are Marshall one gets that way. And, like, there's, like, six scenes in that movie where somebody says, We Are Marshall, and, like, 4,000 extras just start shouting, We Are Marshall. Yeah. And every single one of them gets me. Yeah. (laughs) Right, 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 right. And it would have to. All right. let uh, Because I've slightly misplaced things, we got a couple good palate cleansers here. I think it'll be good. Now, this is not serious. In fact, it's real serious, but just in a completely different area and because i added it to the list late you just brought this one to my attention uh recently the final spit speech from blue chips you know and the damn thing of it is ed is he you know neon he didn't want it he, he didn't want the car he didn't want to he didn't ask for anything but you know he wasn't for sale but we got it for him anyway i mean and i i think personally that it would have been a hell of a deal a, a good price i mean uh I mean, what did Neon do tonight? Does anybody know how many boards did Neon have tonight? Thirteen. Thirteen? Thirteen boards? Well, there you are. It would have been a hell of a deal. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what Neon would have done if we had tried to give him a Ferrari? I mean, for Christ's sake, he might have scored 40 or 50 points. I mean, who knows? Who knows what he would have done for a Ferrari? Now, you know, Neon, he... He, he didn't take anything. He didn't want anything. But some of the others did, didn't they, Happy? Wasn't there some of the other kids? What'd we give them? What, cars? Tractors? Give a kid a tractor? Another kid we gave a house? Didn't we give him a house? You know, bags of cash? I don't know what we gave these kids. You know, they asked for things. We gave it to them. I mean, you guys asked me to win, and I gave that to you. Right? The alumni are all jerking off over this win, which is the only time the alumni ever jerk off, right? Is when we win. Because this ain't about education. It ain't much about winning, and it sure as hell ain't much about basketball. It's about money. Just goddamn money. That's what it's about, Ed. And I bought into it. I bought into it big time. I'm a big part of the problem. Loser! You lost three years in a row! Gave you everything you wanted! He was happy, heading for the cash machine. Oh, yeah, he's going to get himself a middle linebacker. That guy's got the best player's money can buy! The best player's money can buy! You know, I'll tell you something else. You know, someplace... Someplace in America right now, there's some 10-year-old kid. He's out there on that playground, and he's playing, 
He's dribbling between his legs. He's going left. He's going right. He's already above the rim. He's stuffing it home. You know what's going to happen to this kid five minutes from now? He's going to be surrounded by agents and corporate sponsors and coaches. I mean, people like me just drooling over this kid because he holds our future employment in his hands. I mean, that's why we made this game. That's what we've done. You know, the best coaching job I ever did, it wasn't tonight. It was last season. You know, when we were 14 and 15, we had a losing season. But goddammit, those kids, they gave me their heart. They gave me everything they had. They played up to the maximum of their ability. They gave it everything. And you know, it wasn't good enough. Wasn't good enough for me, wasn't good enough for you, wasn't good enough for anybody. That's pathetic. I mean, it's really pathetic. I've become what I despise. Yeah. I cheated my profession. Cheated myself. I cheated basketball. There's two words I didn't think could ever come out of my mouth. I didn't think I'd ever be able to say. I quit. Yeah, man, I, I went back and I watched this movie the other day because I was like, man, I really don't. I I remember what it's about, but I don't remember the movie. And I sat down and I rewatched it and I was like, dude, this last speech where he burns everybody to the ground. Yeah. And, and it's such a commentary on amateurism and the way that, you know, colleges don't pay players and and how it's you know it's considered cheating and he's sitting there and he's talking about it and he says i cheated the game i cheated basketball i cheated these kids i cheated myself and he quits like right there on the one game into the season he goes through all this he goes you know because he had the first ever losing season in 40 years the year before but they were a clean program well they weren't clean after the summer where they you know, they gave a bunch of cash gifts and cars and houses and stuff to recruit these three blue chip recruits. And he gets one game into the season and he realizes I can't win like this yeah. and quits and on the spot, but not after outing everybody and burning the whole thing down. And I just thought it was a really powerful and poignant moment. Like he couldn't live with himself. And he talks about cheating the game. And and you know that, like, this is the norm in college sports. This stuff happens every single day with top athletes. And, you know, that movie was made in, like, the early 90s. Like, Shaq was in, like, his rookie season. And it was, and, and you only know it's gotten worse today. The rise of, like, AAU teams and such in, in oh, high sure. school basketball it's only gotten significantly worse. And it's, 
it's in it's insane to me that no other movie that I know of has has actually tackled amateurism the way this movie did and the way that it kind of puts a strain on a coach. How badly do you want to win? Right. You know, he's talking about how there's a 10-year-old kid out there and he's balling, you know, he's he's doing all these other things. He's doing he's just playing for the game and how agents and coaches like him are drooling over the kid because their future employment hinges on their on their ability. And it's a really messed up way to look at. It's very craven. Uh, a, cra- a very craven way to look at college sports. Yeah. But I, I don't think it's incorrect. And so I thought when I rewatched that scene, I felt myself really, really impacted by how raw it was and how true it was and how Nick Nolte was just such a psycho in that movie. Yeah, he does that well. Um, (laughs) and and who knows exactly why that is but yeah I was really glad that you brought that one to my attention I think that we've got one more here before we start getting into our really top of the top personal favorites Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's one from a movie that both of us are not super high on that's more of a classic for a, a generation before this was one of my dad's favorites but I do always love the speech that Gene Hackman gives in Hoosiers about not taking the next step until you've climbed the one in front of you. Yeah. And I like that he he says, you know, it's beyond your wildest dreams to have made the state final. So let's just leave it there. Yeah. I thought that was a really, a really strong message. Yeah. There's a um, tradition in tournament play. Not talk about the next step until you've climbed the one in front of you. I'm sure going to the state finals is beyond your wildest dreams, so let's just keep it right there. Forget about the crowds, the size of the school, their fancy uniforms, and remember what got you here. Focus on the fundamentals that we've gone over time and time again, and most important, Don't get caught up thinking about winning or losing this game. If you put your effort and concentration into playing to your potential to be the best that you can be, I don't care what the scoreboard says, at the end of the game, in my book, we're going to be winners. Okay? It's I feel like it walks the line sometimes, you know, these inspirational speeches from coaches are I'm going to push you sometimes or I'm going to inspire you uh, and there can be a difficult dynamic to find there. But I, I feel like this one works well in that where he's both challenging them, but telling them to be proud of what they've accomplished, uh, but also getting the point across that there's a little bit more to be done. It's also, I think, the. um I don't know if it's the first slow clap ever <laughs> might be the most famous one. Yeah. Uh, it might be the one that brought it into right. Like the so, mainstream. Yeah. But I also do like the idea of, of the team doing a slow clap for their <laughs> manager or their coach after a, yeah. a big speech. <laughs> and I don't, I don't know um, if it was scripted for Gene Hackman to say, let me hear it. 
Like it doesn't feel scripted. I think he just got mm. really into the moment. Yeah. I don't know yeah, that for awesome. sure, but just watching it, it does not feel like it was scripted because it just seems like he gets like really he's like, Yeah, yeah, that's a god. Look at that slow clap. Yeah. Let me hear it. And it was just like, okay, this is really this this ramped up very quickly. Because it's like a minute right. and a half speech. Some of these speeches we're gonna get to are like six minutes. And like this is he he talks for like maybe 50, 60 seconds. And then the rest of it is just his team going crazy over it. Right. So yeah, Hoosier's definitely not one of my favorite uh sports movies, but we also would not have a whole bunch of these in this bracket without it existing. Exactly right. Uh, which is a perfect segue actually into the next one we want to talk about. I know it's one of your personal favorites. I've mentioned before how I'm not really a fan of the franchise, but Rocky movies all have great speeches in them. They all do. Even the bad Rocky movies have good montages and good speeches. And interestingly enough, I think we both agree that the best speech in a Rocky movie came from Rocky Balboa. The forgotten Rocky. Exactly right. Yeah. I always forget about it. But when he tells the kid from This Is Us, uh, and Gilmore Girls. And heroes. <laughs> and hero. That's why I really should have gone with Peter Petrelli from Heroes yeah. since I actually love Come that on, show. Now. But I went Gilmore Girls. I was this is us. so surprised that you didn't lead with Heroes. Like knowing you, <laughs> I'm, I'm shocked that Heroes wasn't like the first thing that you honed in on for Milo. It's funny though, but I do think of the first thing I saw him in was Gilmore Girls because uh, the person I was with at the time was obsessed with that show. Yo, no and, judgment. Uh, I've seen all those episodes. Hey, it's not a terrible television show. Uh, and he's pretty watch. good in it. It's no. not a bad watch at all. I'll take but that over Dawson's Creek. For sure. <laughs> uh, but yeah, when when he it tells Milo, it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you get hit. I mean, it it's a little cliched, I guess. It's not the most original analogy in the world, but it's also just so thoroughly convincing and true yeah it is i mean the whole speech you know he's talking about oh you got right you were the you were the greatest little kid you know because milo is his son in this movie and he's right. you know you were the greatest little kid and you had the brightest future and we loved you so much and then you got you know you grew up and you started you started worrying about living in my shadow and you started blaming that shadow for why things weren't weren't going your way you know and you forgot you forgot that toughness you know that 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 balboa toughness and he gets into it man like that that life life is mean and nasty and it will beat you to your knees and keep you there if you'll let it because it will life is yeah. unforgiving and you have to fight back you have to push back on life otherwise it'll just have its way with you and you will be nothing you will be ground into dust. And that's all he's talking about here. He's talking about life more than anything else and how you have to you have to push back. And that's why, you know, it's not about how hard you hit. It's, it's, it's about getting back up. It's about responding to it. And that also sums up Rocky's entire boxing career in which he never played defense, in which he <laughs> never prevented a punch from hitting him right in the face. Because he just said, "Fine, I'll wear that guy out. I will. I will take it." 
It's I'm I'm tough enough to handle it. I will take it and here we go. You know, I will push back on it and it's pretty intense, man. It's pretty intense. You ain't gonna believe this. But you used to fit right here. I'd hold you up and say to your mother, this kid's gonna be the best kid in the world. This kid's gonna be somebody better than anybody ever knew. And you grew up good and wonderful. It was great just watching every day was like a privilege. Then the time come for you to be your own man and take on the world, and you did. But somewhere along the line, you changed. You stopped being you. You let people stick a finger in your face and tell you you're no good. And when things got hard, you started looking for something to blame, like a big shadow. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Now, if you know what you're worth, now go out and get what you're worth. But you got to be willing to take the hits and not pointing fingers saying you ain't where you want to be because of him or her or anybody. Cowards do that and that ain't you. You're better than that. I'm always going to love you no matter what. No matter what happens. You're my son. You're my blood. You're the best thing in my life. But until you start believing in yourself, you ain't gonna have a life. Don't forget to visit your mother. It's very intense, and it's something that I can say definitively, if you're not a Rocky fan, and you're not a Sylvester Stallone fan, because I am neither of those things, Go and watch this scene on you. Well, we're going to play it here, so never mind. You li- uh, but if you go watch it, too, you you have heard it, but it's it's undeniably good. <laughs> for And you don't need yeah. to understand anything other than the general context, like you said, that he's, he's the old boxer and, and this is his kid. Other than that, yep. it's a universal message that everyone can be moved by. Definitely. And I have it as it's my number two, number two. Yeah. I think I have it a little further back. Um, but, but I'm going to, I'm going to be making my list now as we do this, our top five, because one I know is in my top five. I'm just not sure where, which is in a very similar vein about life beating you down mm-hmm. comes from the wrestler. My saddest first round exit of the whole bracket. When the wrestler went down to Cinderella, man, I was <sighs> gutted. And like um, Cinderella Man is the one that beats it. Like yeah. a solid movie. Like not it's to say good. But like the wrestler is like a really like it's very emotional. And I think I think one thing that we learned from this bracket is that people are less uh inclined to love a serious sports movie in the same way. Right. Uh or even see it. I think maybe, you know, I, I I think most of the people who went ahead and watched The Wrestler, unless you're really, like, also Darren Aronofsky as a director can be, can split audiences. He has a 
style that I think people like you and I probably really, really enjoy. Yeah. Um, casual audiences, maybe a little bit less so. Uh, I was still shocked it went down in the first round, but Mickey Rourke is unbelievably good in this movie that is about a lot of people who've lived this kind of lifestyle. It's largely believed it's based on a wrestler named Terry Funk, who just absolutely destroyed his body. Terry Funk somehow is still alive. I have no idea. Um, but you know, he he's out there and, and this is a real thing about to wrestle his, his very final match, knowing that if he takes uh, they're calling the industry a bump the wrong way, he could die. And there have been, uh, I'll give you the names of two wrestlers. If anyone's interested, there was a movie that just came out on a young woman who goes by the name page. It's called fighting with my family. The rock is in that one. She had to retire at 24 years old because if she fell on her back one more time, she might experience brain damage, concussion, her neck would break. This is the kind of stuff that happens to these guys. And if you do it for a really long time, it can sneak up on you. Um, Daniel Bryan was another guy who very tragically had to retire like in the middle of his prime because they told him, if you do this again, you're going to die in the ring. These are things that have happened recently. So this is based on a wrestler from before modern medicine and technology could cut down on some of this stuff. The average, I don't know about the average, but the, 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 you have a higher chance of dying at a young age if you're a professional wrestler than you do if you're a cop a firefighter in the military. Um, Eddie Guerrero famously died of a heart attack at 48 years old. Mm -hmm. So the amount of realness when he says you pay the price, I, I cannot watch this speech from Mickey Rourke with dry eyes and without a full body shiver experience. I just want to say to you all tonight, I'm very grateful to be here. A lot of people told me that I'd never wrestle again. And that's all I do. You know, if you live hard and you play hard and you burn the candle at both ends, you pay the price for it. You know, in this life, you can lose everything that you love, everything that loves you. Now, I don't hear as good as I used to, and I forget stuff, and I ain't as pretty as I used to be, but God damn it, I'm still standing here, and I'm the ramp. As time goes by, as time goes by, they said he's washed up, he's finished, he's a loser, he's all through. But you know what? The only ones are going to tell me when I'm through doing my thing is you people here. You people here. You people here are the ones who are worth bringing it for because you're my family. I love all of you. Thank you so much. Great job. Thank you. It's really intense. I mean, it's and and if you just watch the speech, it's good. But if you watch the entire movie, 
and get a sense for just what he goes through. Like the journey that he goes through to get to that moment. (sighs) There's just not very many cinematic scenes that can top it in history. In my opinion, obviously. I agree. I mean, wow. Yeah. And I think I would put it at number two on my list. Um, yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I'm not going to top what you just said. So I think we can move to the next one. It's it's not even just one of the best speeches. I, I agree. Individually, it's one of the best scenes in any movie I've ever seen. It's it's one of the it's such a good reminder for me anyway of of what I watch movies for. It's for that experience, that emotional connection. You know, I, I do watch movies like Fast and the Furious and love them because I can turn my brain off and it's silly and it's loud and it's stupid, right? I don't have to take it too seriously. But I, most of the time, like, I love those types of movies. The grounded in reality, the real movies, the raw movies. And that's that's where the speeches that we're getting into, they just don't get much realer and rawer than ones that have actually happened. Right. You know, moments that are based on on things that are that are real that that actually took place and it's just it's incredible that his his speech you know you pay the price when he says that it's just it just mm. breaks me down into pieces because you know like i mean you and i not not the same thing but like you and i have been here at this company now for years building this thing burning the candle at both ends, long hours, long days, low pay, like grinding to make something special for the love of it. Because, and because there are people out there who love what we do and that they're the ones who are listening to this right now. And it's starting to pay off, but like you pay a price, you make sacrifices. And it's so, for me, it's relatable, man. And maintain that connection with the audience. I'm so glad you brought that up because that's the one thing where like pro athletes, most of them do care about the fans and love their fans and recognize that, you know, they buy the tickets and the jerseys or whatever, but professional wrestlers are literally nothing without the fans. Totally. They make you or break you. So when he's saying goodbye to those people, it, it, I'm, I'm with you. I feel that same connection with, you know, our, subscribers or follow whatever people who listen to this podcast yeah the people who have supported us from from any time right new supporters old supporters it doesn't matter like we are allowed to do a pod like this because we have people supporting us and that moment like his connection with those people it really drives that home for me like deeply and and so he's sad about himself, but he's also sad that because he's not going to be able to keep doing this, he's taking something from them. It, which is even more heartbreaking that though his life is on the line, he's almost just as worried that these people aren't going to get to root for their hero anymore. God, yeah. uh, all right, we got to... <laughs> I can't believe it went down in the first round. Worst moment of the whole bracket. Well, that and everything that happy gilmore has done <laughs> yeah happy gilmore beating creed i took personally was, actually yeah that was pretty pretty bad i took it personally uh, and i'm still upset about it and i just it's just it's yeah. so, it's and, and and it's going to it's i i think it's gonna win honestly i think it's going to win oh i hope you're wrong there it's gotta lose to friday night lights doesn't it or not i keep saying i keep remember the titans no i think i think it's uh, going down man people love that movie brutal um 
Well, so, okay. <laughs> to get a little bit back on track here. Um, Talk about a movie with no great speeches. I know, right? What's the great speech in Happy Gilmore? I do like when the, the price hey, you hit that wrong. guy. <laughs> Shouldn't have been standing there. Uh, yeah, no, there's, there's good one-liners. But you mentioned a moment ago how some of these are just so much more impactful because they're based on things that actually happened. And another thing that actually happened is the story of Coach Carter, which mm-hmm. has its issues as a movie. Oh, yeah. And I I think was fairly placed in our, our bracket, but I do think its standout moments are very, very good, yep. including the there, there's two great speeches. One at the end where Samuel L. Jackson tells the kids, you know, you've played like men. I came to teach boys and you became men. It's, it's a solid speech, but I prefer the one that the player gives to the coach. Yep when they've locked themselves out and it's a little bit cheating because most of this is a Nelson Mandela quote, (laughs) Yeah, but who cares? It's the perfect use of it. And there is a power in putting these words into the mouth of the high school basketball player who most needed to learn this lesson from his coach, not about being a better basketball player, but about being a more introspective human being. It's interesting because the whole premise is that he shows up and he's gonna he's going to kick some discipline into these kids, right? And he yeah. literally locks the gym. Yeah. And they go through a whole thing. They're not allowed to play basketball until they get their grades up and they whatever, 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 right? Mm-hmm. And then he shows up and the they he loses the battle, right? And they cut the chain off the door and he walks in and the kids are all sitting there at, at desks and they're studying. Right. And he right. says they can't, you know, Channing Tatum of all people says uh, right. they could cut the chain they off the door, the but they can't make us play. And then one of the play. one of the other students is sitting there and he's looking at him. And you can just tell something's eating away at him. Right. And it was a, it was a character that he'd had a very intense interaction with earlier on in the movie. And he stands up and he starts to, you know, our deepest, our deepest fear is not, not that we are inadequate. inadequate. Our, our deepest, deepest fear is that we are powerful, powerful beyond, beyond measure. measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We were all meant to shine as children do. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, We unconsciously give other people permission to do the same as we are liberated from our own fear. Our presence automatically liberates others. Sir, I just want to say thank you. You saved my life. Thank you, sirs. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. And he goes on and on, you know, to to recite the whole thing. And yeah. it's just, it's an intensely powerful moment. And he finishes it by saying, you know, I, coach, I just, uh, sir, I just wanted to say thank you. You saved my life. Yeah. And it's just. <sighs> yeah. yeah. Like, it's just. Woof, man. 
That you is can't live your whole life on being a good high school basketball player. And the <laughs> scene that I think really sets this up, you talked about earlier, is when all the parents come and get mad the other way. They don't care about their own kids' education. They just right. think that high school basketball is going to be their pinnacle of their lives. They've given up on these young men. Yep. Society has given up on these young men. And I'm with you. When when he says, thank you, sir, you saved my life. It's like, I also love, one of the things I love in that movie that's running that I've actually tried to adopt at times is his insistence on calling people sir and ma'am and madam. Yep. And that, that respect that he drives home. And because once they start respecting other people, they can learn how to respect themselves. And God, it's so powerful. I know there's a lot of problems with like the basketball in the movie and some plot points that are just, it's, it's a deeply flawed movie with one absolutely unbelievable scene. Yeah. And uh, that brings us into the last three we're going to talk about before we, so I think I would probably put, that coach Carter as my own personal five. Yep. I have it at five. Okay. I've got the wrestler already at two. So here's three. We're going to have to figure out. I I don't even know where to begin. Uh, I'm not going to do my own personal favorite to the end. That's just how it's going to go. So I'll start with tonight. We are the greatest hockey team in the world. Great moments are born from great opportunity. And that's what you have here tonight, boys. That's what you've earned here tonight. One game. If we played them 10 times, they might win nine. But not this game. Not tonight. Tonight, we skate with them. Tonight, we stay with them. And we shut them down because we can. Tonight, we are the greatest hockey team in the world. You were born to be hockey players. Every one of you. And you were meant to be here tonight. This is your time. Their time is done. It's over. I'm sick and tired of hearing about what a great hockey team the Soviets have. Screw them. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. It's... <sighs> yeah. Sorry to do that to you. So this one, so this one's going to mean a little more to me, obviously. Yeah. Um, just being in the world that I'm in and was all was always such a huge fan of that team in that moment even before the movie came out and then miracle comes out and it was brilliant it was it was emotional and it was it captured the scale 
of of everything. And if you want to listen to us talk more about that, you and I have gone into um, multiple hockey movies. I also mm-hmm. did uh, the pod with Andre Simone in which he and I talked about Miracle and he got game. Which it's so good that w- you got to listen to that one. Could not be two different sports right. movies. Right. That's what made it so interesting. It was, it was such a weird dynamic, but you guys put the conversation together in a way I thought was just absolutely fascinating. But yeah, Miracle, I, you know, I had seen it once basically as a kid and thought, yeah, this is pretty good. And then I watched it more recently for this and go, oh, okay, I see why hockey people love this movie. Um, but I had always known that this speech was just, I mean, Kurt Russell, not my favorite actor, but uh, boy, is he incredible in this movie. Uh, it's it's hard to element. believe that the same guy who starred in John Carpenter's Escape from L.A. is Herb Brooks. Right. Like, what an unbelievable transformation to go from Tango and Cash to Herb Brooks. Yeah. Like, dude. <laughs> and he is perfect. He is absolutely perfect as Herb Brooks absolutely perfect and he even captures the mannerisms you know coaching in minnesota he gets he captures the the way that they talk kind of their own little personal dialect that they have right and that probably sounded way more offensive than i intended it for i I think i have good (laughs) i have nothing against it it's just how it is like i'm sorry Oh yeah, um, no, I actually love it. <laughs> I I think it's gr- I think it's great, and you can always tell when somebody's from Minnesota. You know, so right. somebody from that region, like like there's a huge difference between the North Dakota accent and the Minnesota accent. You know, it's right. it's this 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 speech is just incredible, and the the gravity of it, the the weight of it. You know, there's the the scene before they get to the game, the night before he's walking with his wife. Uh, through the Olympic Village, and he says, "I got a, I got a, a letter or a telegram or whatever it was, and from someone in Texas today that said, beat those commie bastards.'" And he said, "We're just playing a hockey game. It's a, here. It's a hockey game." And she's like, "Herb, come on, come on, you know, you know better. Stop it." Like none, you don't, you can say that because you're so wrapped up in hockey that you can lie to yourself, but come on, we know the, 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 the truth here. There's no way that this is just a hockey game and that you actually believe this. Though there is a part of you that thinks maybe it's just now the night before occurring to him how big of a hockey game it really is that somehow he has managed to shut out all of the noise. And it's also this speech. It's kind of like you were saying about the wrestler, but in a totally different way, it's more impactful if you've got an hour running up to it of him just again, and just like yelling at these kids and yeah. like doing like, he's been a real hard ass. One well, movie they played in the prelims before the start of the Olympics, they played the Russians and got smoked. Right. And so there's, and they've been building the Russian team up throughout the entire movie. And he walks in and, you know, the one of maybe my favorite part of the speech is, you know, the, the great moments are born from great opportunities. 
And, you know, it's when he says, you know, that that's that's what you've earned here tonight. Talking about this opportunity to beat them. I think that you remember the journey that these kids have gone on. They went through a tryout camp, although rather abbreviated. Uh, They went through a year of playing international games and training and all this stuff leading up to it, where that was not the norm back then. The norm was for them to assemble three months before the games, play a couple of prelims, and then go to the Olympics. This team was put together a year early, played a a bunch of games together where they cut the roster down and cut the roster down and cut it down, and they honed in on on how to be a team and they figured out who they were as a group and came together as a family in which they played every shift for each other and the whole journey is culminated in that speech where he just it's a perfect speech it is a perfect movie speech a sports movie speech and unlike some of these other ones um i have it four on my list just because it's a great speech and it's and it, again, I don't know that there's a better sports movie speech, but it's one of the only ones in my top five here that does not also apply to life. Right, right. It, 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 that's a, a good point. I was wondering because you were going through that. I was like, man, why don't I? Because I also have it, I think, at four. And, and I think that that might be why. It's like a really great speech about this very specific thing, less applicable to other stuff in life. Right. Um, and... Miracle is, is the 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 Herb Brooks speech is incredible, man. It really is. It really is. Um, I think four is a fair place for it. I I think if I'm doing my math correctly and deductive reasoning, then we both might have the same number three. So even though the next there there are three left, and the one I want to do after it, I think is going to be a little bit lower. I uh, I want to present the opposite argument with any given Sunday's one inch at a time. I don't know what to say, really. Three minutes till the biggest battle of our professional lives all comes down to today. Either we heal as a team or we're gonna crumble. Inch by inch, play by play, till we're finished. We're in hell right now, gentlemen. Believe me. And we can stay here, get the kicked out of us, or we can fight our way back into the light. We can climb out of hell. One inch at a time. Now, I can't do it for you. I'm too old. I look around, I see these young faces, and I think, I mean, I made every wrong choice a middle-aged man can make. I, uh, I pissed away all my money, believe it or not. I chased off anyone who's ever loved me. And lately, I can't even stand the face I see in America. You know, when you get old in life, things get taken from you. 
I mean, that's, that's, that's part of life. But you only learn that when you start losing stuff. You find out life's this game of inches. So is football. Because in either game, life or football, the margin for error is so small. I mean, one half a step too late or too early, and you don't quite make it. One half second too slow, too fast, you don't quite catch it. The inches we need are everywhere around us. Hell yeah. They're in every break of the game, every minute, every second. <laughs> On this team, we fight for that itch. On this team, we tear ourselves and everyone else around us to pieces for that itch. We claw with our fingernails for that itch. Because we know when we add up all those inches, that's going to make the f***ing difference between winning and losing. Between living and dying. I'll tell you this, in any fight, it's the guy who's willing to die who's gonna win that itch. And I know if I'm gonna have any life anymore, it's because I'm still willing to fight and die for that itch. Because that's what living is. The six inches in front of your face. Now I can't make you do it. You gotta look at the guy next to you. Look into his eyes. Now I think you're gonna see a guy who will go that inch with you. Yeah. You're gonna see a guy who will sacrifice himself for this team because he knows when it comes down to it, you're gonna do the same for him. Yeah. That's a team, gentlemen. And either we heal now as a team or we will die as individuals. That's football, guys. That's all it is. Now, what are you going to do? This is an incredible speech. I, I love how it starts because the very first thing that he says in this scene is, I don't really know what to say. Yeah. And then he goes on a six-minute tangent. That is absolute perfection. Uh, and to be honest with you, this is my number one, man. This is the okay. The, I thought it might be. Uh, I wasn't sure. Okay, yeah, that to makes me, sense. This is this is the greatest. Uh, this is the greatest uh, sports movie speech of all time. I it would be it would be really difficult for me to come up with an actual like a just an all-encompassing movie speech that I like more than this one. Yeah, it's pretty great, and I think you and I both agree it basically saves that movie. Oh, it is. If this is the only one on this entire list where I'll just say, "Don't bother with the movie and just go watch this speech." Yeah, you don't like the small things in this scene that relate to the movie are just irrelevant. Like Willie Beeman getting really amped up, right? As he's like standing at his locker, and he's. He's listening to this and he's buying into it and he's buying into it. And you can tell that Al Pacino is just, he's hitting the right notes, right? This, yeah. uh, his coach is just crushing this. 
And he's getting, you know, Jamie Foxx's character is just getting more and more into this. He just starts walking through the locker room because he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And And, how do you not get amped up? Well, there's there's even a dude in that scene where it looks like I don't think this guy's acting where he's just like, yeah, yeah. Like he can't like his face. He makes like this facial expression where you're like, this dude is insane. Yeah. And it's it, the whole speech is incredible. It's I, I don't even want to like get into it too much. Just I'll just play it. Just yeah. Just listen to it and just enjoy running through whatever wall you end up running through when it's over. Uh, Perfect. So uh, I, I'm going to now talk about the one that I've actually going to have to put in fifth place and bump the coach Carter back to number six on my own personal list. And it's the speech from Friday Night Lights that Burt Reynolds gives. Not Burt Reynolds. <laughs> Billy Bob Thornton. What I just said, Burt Reynolds. Uh, it's been a long pod. Um, You're thinking about the longest yard. I know. It's because the longest yard beat it. And I'm not, that and the wrestler going down and Creed. Those are the worst ones. But I don't know what's going on with the longest yard. We'll talk about that some other time. Friday Night Lights is my own personal favorite football movie, even over remember the titans which is probably why i keep saying it <laughs> instead yeah and this and and billy bob thornton's never been like my favorite actor and that'd be a weird favorite actor to have i think but yeah. maybe it's because i played high school football not in a serious competitive way like these guys did but in kind of a town a small town and there was a lot of drama and a lot of you know people taking it way too seriously And so a lot of this film really resonates with me, but I appreciate one, a speech where a coach talks about having love in your heart. You don't hear that word. Mm -hmm. In in fact, love might, this might be the first time we've heard that word (laughs) in this podcast. And I, I also, as I mentioned, I'm a sucker for a phenomenal musical cue and the way the explosions in the sky music. And that's one of my favorite bands uh, comes in. Of course it, it is. Of, of course, we're both into explosions in the sky, yeah. but it's it is perfectly filmed and directed. The music is perfect in it, and his whole speech about you know being perfect, which totally stands in opposition to what he's been saying the rest of the movie. And that way, it's similar to the Herb Brooks miracle speech. Mm-hmm. Um. But I just, I don't know, this one amps me up, man. The the thing that gets me about this speech is, this is a halftime speech. This is not a pregame speech. This right. is this is halftime when they are, they are getting crushed in the state finals uh, against Dallas Carter. And they, he comes in and he says, look, a lot of you guys have been playing this game for 10 years. And this will be it. Yeah, actually, my favorite, I think it's you mentioned your favorite opening might have been any given Sunday when he says, I don't know what to say. I love the first line in this is it's real simple. You got two more quarters and that's it. Yeah. And he goes on. I mean, he drives home the point that this is like these are these are small 
small town high school kids. They are not pro players. They are not playing for money. The vast majority of them are not going on to college to play college football. This is it. This is the last time they will play competitive football in their life. And that changes the stakes because like the Al Pacino speech is great, but like they're playing for a playoff spot in pro football, you know, it's just a different level. This is the last time these kids will, will get to do this thing in their life. Right. And they will then have, you know, it's, it's your classic two quarters and then it's the rest of your lives, but it's true. Yeah. This is the this is the end of something that they have spent their entire youth involved in and building towards. And that for me, I think that's that's the gravity of the moment. You know, the similar to how with Miracle, you know, it's this is the Cold War. Like you're gonna win the Cold War if you win this hockey game. Right. And it's with the with the Friday night light speech, that's really where it gets me is this is it for these kids. And that that changes the scope of the conversation so much for me. Now, most of you have been playing this game for 10 years. And you got two more quarters. And after that, most of you will never play this game again as long as you live. Now, you all have known me for a while. And for a long time now, you've been hearing me talk about being perfect. Well, I want you to understand something. To me, being perfect it's not about that scoreboard out there. It's not about winning. It's about you and your relationship to yourself and your family and your friends. Being perfect is about being able to look your friends in the eye and know that you didn't let them down because you told them the truth. And that truth is, is that you did everything that you could. There wasn't one more thing that you could have done. Can you live in that moment as best you can with clear eyes and love in your heart? With joy in your heart. If you can do that, gentlemen, then you're perfect. I want you to take a moment and I want you to look each other in the eyes. I want you to put each other in your hearts forever because forever is about to happen here in just a few minutes. I want you to close your eyes and I want you to think about Booby Miles who is your brother. And he would die to be out there on that field with you tonight. And I want you to put that in your hearts. Boys, my heart is full. My heart's full. Ivory. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Give us our daily bread.
it's very powerful on that level, uh, on a human level. I do think that the one inch at a time is such a great metaphor for anywhere in life that it, it helps sort of bridge that gap and probably is why we both have it a little bit mm-hmm. higher because while it's sort of a heavy weight and devastating to these kids, especially anyone who's not going to go on and play in college or whatever, who's going to be stuck in this town the rest of their lives, especially because now spoilers, spoilers, another reason why I like this movie, they don't win the big game at the end, Yep, which makes what he said about them not being perfect that much more impactful <laughs> makes it a perfect speech it really does but yeah ultimately it's just like yeah it's really really rough for these kids but you know what going back to rocky balboa life's rough you better pick yourself back up um <laughs> you know the one inch at a time thing i think is just such a phenomenal metaphor but i do have to now discuss my own personal favorite and that is of course people will come right I mean, <laughs> this is, you know, all the pressure uh, to sell the farm because it's he plowed under his crop and he built a baseball field for ghosts to play on. It's a pretty insane premise for a movie. It, Yeah. So, and then right. this scene happens. And even the premise of this speech, let's admit, is absurd It and, and purposefully so. It's fantasy. And I mean, it, they're playing in front of a field of ghosts and, and the whole idea that people would just randomly be compelled to drive toward this random farm in Iowa because they know there might be baseball there. It's right. It's a very magical premise. But putting aside like the plot of the film, the all the stuff about baseball marking the time and how America's rolled by like an army of steam engines and all this and and James Earl Jones, which is one of the greatest voices humanity has ever had the pleasure to hear. Darth Vader, baby, <laughs> and Mufasa, and, and you're both Darth Vader and Mufasa, like, and they can't recast you when they redo Mufasa, <laughs> and also in Sandlot. Oh man. So, yeah, when we were talking about actors in these movies, sort of forgot that he's in a few more of them. But Mm -hmm. at its heart, this is a speech about both the United States of America and the game of baseball and the way that they parallel each other and the grind of fighting and clawing every day to move forward barely at all and that succeeding 30% of the time might make you among the best and no such thing as perfection. We talked earlier about how can you not be romantic about baseball? Yeah. I think all of that is captured in this speech. Why be romantic about baseball for the reasons that James Earl Jones lays out here. Mm-hmm. Terrence Mann, of course, hundred percent, man. And that like he had to go and like, drag Terrence Mann out of his house to go do this. And Terrence Mann had no interest. And then he gets there and they get to the, they get to the field and like, who's the guy that gives the speech? Like he's going to lose his farm. And this dude is like, no, you need to sell. You need to sell Ray. And Terrence Mann of all people is like, don't you do it. Right. The guy who's lost his love for the game of baseball. Right. And this dude, he just kidnapped Right, like right. You said your finger was a gun. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> really good, James Earl Jones. 
Oh, thank you. <laughs> I, I've seen that movie so many times. I'm really bummed it didn't make the final four. But yeah, he, he yeah. came to, to to kidnap him. There, there's another great one where they go to the ball game and he asks him, what do you want? And he gives him this whole speech. I want people to leave me alone. <laughs> I want, you know, I want them yeah. to think for themselves. And then he's like, no, no, no. And he points at the menu and goes, what do you want? And he just goes, oh. Uh, beer and a dog please yeah (laughs) i love that part it's so good because it's just it's hilarious man he's so serious and he's just like no what do you want the only part unrealistic about it is that there's no line right 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 (laughs) there's not 75 Um, people standing in front of him seriously though uh, and of course, Field of Dreams has all of those like individual one-liners of the "if you build it" and "go the distance" and yeah, of course. all of that stuff. So, I, but I think it all really builds toward this moment. And I totally recognize that it's probably personal bias if you're trying to rank like sports movie speeches. Like some people might not even think of this one. I, I did some research for this, obviously looking around at a few other lists, and. Um, it, this isn't on them because it's not a halftime speech and it's not a, you know, you've got to go win the big game, or a, a coach talking to a group of players, which is what the vast majority of these have been. It's just a guy talking about why baseball matters. And so, of course, it gets right to my heart. <laughs> of course. Ray. People will come, Ray. They come to Iowa for reasons they can't even fathom. They turn up your driveway, not knowing for sure why they're doing it. They'll arrive at your door as innocent as children, longing for the past. Of course, we won't mind if you look around, you'll say. It's only $20 per person. They'll pass over the money without even thinking about it. For it is money they have and peace they like. Ray. Just sign the papers. And they'll walk out to the bleachers. Sit in shirt sleeves on a perfect afternoon. They'll find they have reserved seats somewhere along one of the baselines. Where they sat when they were children and cheered their heroes. And they'll watch the game. And it'll be as if they dipped themselves in magic waters. The memories will be so thick that I have to brush them away from their faces. People will come, Ray. You're broke, Ray. You sell now or you lose everything. The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. America has rolled by like an army of steamrollers. It's been erased like a blackboard, rebuilt and erased again. But baseball has marked the time. This field, this game, is a part of our past, Ray. It reminds us of all that once was good, and it could be again. Oh, people will come, Ray. People will most definitely come. So yeah, what is so I think I've got people will come in first, you pay the price in second, one inch at a time in third. Where did I have? Oh, 
Tonight we are the greatest hockey team in the world in fourth. Boys, my heart is full in fifth, and I had to push. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate to sixth. Mm-hmm. Brutal. And then probably I've got, remember, the Titans stuff in seventh. Uh, I'll just have a top seven. I'll put Mighty Ducks as at least as an honorable mention in my top. The Ducks fly together. I'm going to go watch that scene right now. These <laughs> <laughs> kids are excited, man. <laughs> yeah, Ducks fly together. Uh, so what? what's your top five? Uh, I had Al, Al Pacino's Inches Speech at one. Uh, yeah. I have... Uh, you pay the price at two. Um, uh, or no, I'm sorry. I have Rocky at, at two. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Rocky at two. And then you pay the price at three and then miracle at four. And then, uh, being perfect from Friday night lights at five. Awesome. Well, we want to hear from anyone else out there, what your favorite speeches are. If you want to make a top five or top 10 list, make sure to send it to us. Did you see, we already got a couple, someone, um, r- replied with, a. Keep swinging. Maybe you'll give him a cold. I did. <laughs> I did. I thought that was very entertaining. Yeah. Uh, so let us know. Make sure you're following everybody at DNVR on social media and subscribing to everything. Uh, this has been a whole lot of fun, AJ. Thank you, man, for taking a long time to go through these speeches. Oh, it was a, it was a blast, man. Nobody else I would rather have done this one with. So this is uh, this was a great time. I can't wait till we get to do the one on sports video games. Yeah, talking about NBA Jam. That'll be great. Oh, man. Uh, Yeah, no, that's not even. Okay. (laughs) Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, This has been a whole lot of fun. We're going to have, I think, at least one more big podcast on Movie Week where we wrap up the bracket. There are a few more duos still to come out, so make sure you're checking all those out. For AJ Hayfley, I've been Drew Creaseman. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time.